the boner episode. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks. Geeks Without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we're asking if geeks are cool now. It seems like things like the MCU have made geek culture really accessible to everyone. So, are we still outsiders, or is everybody else the outsider? We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We're geeks. Geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Glover. Yeah, hi, hi. And Molly Glover. That's me, Molly Glover, the third one. <laughs> the, the third one, the Molly Glover, <laughs> the one that we mentioned third today. Welcome to our podcast, which is extremely popular, which raises the question. I don't know if it's extremely <laughs> popular. That uh, that was just a lead into what uh, our topic is for today. Uh, the topic for today is uh, are geeks are geeks no longer the underdog are geeks in charge as a, as mm. it were are, because, are of, geeks because of not the kids that are getting sand kicked uh, uh, into their face on the playground uh, or, or, or is, is geek cool? I mean, it's all those questions yeah. wrapped into one. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more Spider-Man backpacks is all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like, well, and, yeah, and right. the MCU is is making money hand over fist, right? And it's not just yeah. it's not just the people that we would define as nerds that are watching these these movies. It's everybody. That's right. Well, yeah. and like things like you know, uh, not to be all in my day, but in my day, you know, like if you knew who Thanos was and tried to tell anybody about it, you got beat up, <laughs> you know, like or at at best ignored and shunned. No one cared who Thanos was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, if you I got made many... fun of for having D and D books in my, in yeah, my back yeah. in middle school, you know, as opposed to everybody plays D and D they're all like, Oh, D and D. Well, that's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Right. And they've all seen, right. Lord of the Rings. You got, you got big ass Hollywood movie stars playing D and D now talking about it. Yeah. Right. Critical role. got a TV show made their on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. So, the question that that Molly asked, which I think is a is a really good one, is is this just perception as geeks? You know, we we grew up reading comics, playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, watching nerd movies, mm-hmm. and feeling like the outsider because we like these things. You know, talking about Star Trek and going to a Star Trek convention was weird and nerdy, mm-hmm. and people made fun of you for it, and now. It doesn't seem that way anymore. But is it because we're in a bubble of geekdom that we've all found our our group? And because of things like social media and the Internet and everything like that, we can all gravitate together and feel better about the fact that there are a whole bunch of people out there like us that we didn't see before? Or is it really a change in society's perception of the stuff that we have have been into for a long time. So what do you yeah. think? 
so I, I wanted to, a big, a big reason I wanted to ask this is I realized because I, I, I just celebrated my 11 year anniversary at FFG, uh, which means for 11 years, I have been surrounded by fucking nerds, basically 24 seven. Like I work with a bunch of nerds, with exclusively nerds. Like, I mean, this is not one of those jobs where we do a nerdy thing, but, but there are some people who are quote unquote, you know, normies. Oh no! Like we are cloak wearing, you know, like like the full on, you know, everybody, people there nerdier than me, right? And so, I, I don't have any experience. All my friends are obviously nerds, but I know that you two both have jobs that involve regular fucking people. So I guess <laughs> sure. my question is: Are regular fucking people like? Do, are they into the, the nerd stuff? Like, do they know? I mean, are they talking Marvel? Are they yeah. talking Star Wars? So, like, it feels like the things in nerd culture that are now pop culture and, you know, profitable are accessible and enjoyed by, by many and all. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't be profitable and they wouldn't get made. Sure. Right? Like, Tim... When you're working, like, do you talk to the people at your work very often? I know you're a delivery driver, so that can yeah. be kind of an isolating job. No, I mean, I, I because the place I work for, we we do set up, so we end up talking to the customer. But very rarely am I going to talk to them about anything nerd related. Um, yeah. Usually, you know, they're going to start making small talk about, oh, what's the driving like out there? You know, do you sure, do sure. you have a lot of deliveries today? They they went. It is the weird thing about meeting somebody in that kind of a in that kind of an environment the first thing they do is start asking me about my job that is that is what yeah, they do yeah, every yep. fucking time they're not like oh hey did you catch that latest spider-man movie um right so the only way that i can get any idea if people are kind of nerdy is if i'm actually walking through an area where i can see people's desks and see if they've mm. got some nerdy shit on their desk um i'm not going to say that i see a lot more of it than I can recall having seen when I was in a, an office building mm -hmm. environment. So it's mm -hmm. hard, but it's hard to say because when I was in an office building environment, that wasn't the sort of stuff that I would have at my desk anyway. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's like, I feel like it's more likely people are going to let their geek flag fly, but uh, I, I haven't paid attention to it, I guess. You know, I'll, I'll say that when I'm driving, I do listen to commercial radio a lot. And oh, if, okay. if that's any indication, the average, quote, unquote, Joes and Karens who call into those shows, I don't think that they, the geek culture has really hit them that hard. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll be yeah. like, oh, did you go, you know, the hosts might be like, oh, I watched that Spider-Man movie and it was great. And then somebody will call in and they'll be like, did you see that Spider-Man movie this weekend? And the person on the other, no, I'm not, I'm not really into, into that kind okay. of Okay. Okay. It's, I, I think there's a difference between, so I think, you know, the word fan comes from fanatic. Yep. And so I think that one difference is these things are in the pop culture and they're enjoyed therefore by, by everyone. But I don't want to say the level to which they are enjoyed is different, but the level to which they are obsessed over the amount of time mm. that's spent thinking about them outside of enjoying the media is a big part of it, of, of the difference. And so like, 
obviously a shit ton of people that wouldn't necessarily call themselves nerds saw Infinity War and Endgame, right? Yeah. But, like, how many of them saw it multiple times? How many of them, you know, went out and bought the Blu-ray afterward? How many of them, like... Had a shirt. Have a shirt, right? Or talked about it with their Funko friends Pops. at great length. Or how yeah. many of them started to go to a comic book store to to read up on the original, the source yeah. material? Right. And, and, the tr- and the thing I... It's really wonky about when you start to get into this specific part of the observation is... All of a sudden, being a geek gets really gatekeepy because Mm -hmm. now you're saying, well, you didn't see it multiple times or you don't know the comic this is based off of. All of a sudden, you're trying to define what makes someone a nerd or what makes someone a geek. Sure. And then by doing so you're defining what makes someone not a geek right yeah so like right. is someone is someone that is just casually into those stuff those things but they really enjoy them but maybe they don't focus their life around them or spend a lot of time obsessing over them but they call themselves a geek like that person's still a geek oh yeah i think if you call yourself a geek you're a geek full stop i don't yeah. think there's any but i guess my question was all was really focusing on like is our our like our kids still getting you know, I don't want to stay beat up. That just, but like, are kids still being ostracized or othered or teased because they're into Spider Man? That seems weird to me, right? Like, it seems like all the kids are into Spider Man. They right? probably aren't. I think that's a good point. I mean, kids still get ostracized and teased, right? There's, there's, that's. There's always something. Yeah, there's always something that they can figure out to other somebody. But I think the difference might be, and I, I can't prove this personally, but I feel like. <laughs> That's what this whole show is about. I know. <laughs> we can't prove. <laughs> but I feel, and I'd be interested to hear what what people what people listening think. But I think if a kid goes to a to school these days and is reading a Spider Man comic book at lunch, I don't think they're likely to get made fun of for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're. There may be some kids who make fun of them for it, but I think that it's far less likely that that's going to be considered a really easy way to other somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because Spider-Man is just out there. It's it's one of the top grossing films of all time. The same yeah. with, with Thanos, with Captain America, with, with comic, comic book characters. Man. Yeah, the Avengers. You see, you see a kid sitting in school reading a comic book I don't think that's that's really going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I wonder about kids that are just sitting in school reading books, which I think is a more likely way to separate them from other kids, right? Because yeah. if, if they see a kid reading Stephen King, maybe Y'all. that's a bad example because they've heard Nope, it's Stephen a good King. one. Well, <laughs> no, nope, it's a good one. <laughs> from, from, from your from your era, maybe, but yeah, now, that's true. Yeah, in the eighties for much. sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because yeah, like, yeah, every nerd I know has read that. Everybody who is not a nerd has no fucking idea what it is. So yeah, they're, that's they're a good reading point. they're reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Are they still ostracized? And I don't know if they are or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think is is that more of a function of them being uh, more introverted, which extroverted yeah. kids tend to 
key into in bad ways sometimes? Or mm-hmm. or is it because when they see somebody reading a Spider-Man comic, they know who Spider-Man is, they have a point of reference, as opposed to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they don't have a point of reference. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like I think another thing that that we haven't that that you know the rise of uh, mobile gaming on phones and on things like Switch and uh, other handhelds uh, is that uh, like when I, I so in the year two thousand I worked at a call center and I had a Game Boy and I would play Game Boy at lunch because I was fucking playing a game. And I used to get, it was a very normal job. It was for this, this thing called Shop NBC. It was a home shopping network. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was the most normal job I've ever had. Uh, and the, the I, I mean, I genuinely, I was in my 20s and I was getting made fun of by other women in their 20s. They called me game girl. Like that was an insult. And I was like, yes, I am playing this game. I am a girl. Yes. But like to them, it was like a very like, oh, she plays video games like a child. And it was it was very much like uh, she's a kid. Like she does kid stuff. Immature. Yeah. But like that was, you know, to be honest, that was before, you know, like every straight white dude played Halo. Right. Or like, you know, or whatever, you know. And so I think with the switch and games becoming more of a like, you know, there's been so many and, and mobile phones, right? right? Like seeing somebody playing a game on their phone now, you don't go, wow, what a child. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, what are you playing? You know, I'll bet, yeah. you, I'll bet you literally every single one of those women that made fun of you then now has a smartphone on which they're playing some sort of game every now and again. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. Like Candy Crush or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's going to be, uh, for lack of a better word, comorbidity. Mm. I think that there's always going to be weird kids that get picked on <laughs> because, and, and othered. And I think that here, here, that kid's nerdy pursuits are going to be convenient things to make fun of that kid for. Mm-hmm. But I think that kid could be into baseball or anything else. And the fact that that kid is so into it and awkward about it is going to be the factor that, that gets them picked on and yeah. gets them othered. And, and, you know, whether that's like, because they're they're not neurotypical or because they're they're just an odd duck or whatever like that that's what it's going to come down to which it, yeah it's going to be or you know pick on the poor kid or, right, or whatever right. right there's always going to be stuff that the kids get made fun of for and that that's just kids figuring out uh social order and and you know sucking because they're kids so leaving kids out of it our leaving adults kids out of our it. adults getting in that weird ostracization or or like is there like if you brought your switch to your job at the bank yeah right your regular ass job at the bank like is that weird are people going to see that as weird i i used to bring uh my D stuff to quite when i worked at quest mm-hmm. uh before there was CenturyLink. i used to bring like D stuff and paint tiles and stuff like that on break at work and like people just kind of left me the fuck alone because they didn't know what to like people sometimes someone would swing by and be like what you doing mm-hmm. I'm like oh this is just you know stuff for dungeons and dragons i'm running a game it's friday night blah, yeah. blah, blah. i'm just trying yeah. to get this done before my game and people be like all right mm-hmm. and then just kind of like whatever dude and fuck off I think you know what what's interesting about the way you say that and what might make a what might be a difference especially among adults is we're all more comfortable talking about that stuff. 
Somebody, yeah. somebody walks up to you and is like, oh, what's this thing? And you're like, oh, it's D&D. It's a game. It's a game I play. And we are comfortable with it and confident in it and not ashamed of it. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And that yeah. process of normalizing that conversation and maybe the person still isn't in it, into it. Right. You know, maybe they're like, oh, whatever. And they walk away. But they're not like. You aren't afraid to talk about it anymore. We as geeks aren't afraid to talk about it anymore because we feel like societally there is more knowledge of what we're talking about. And even if they're not into it, even if what they're into really into is ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. They get to some extent that we're just into this thing and that's okay. Like something that made me think about this too was uh, so Henry Cavill uh, is a huge fucking Warhammer nerd. Yeah, he's been a huge Gamer Warhammer too. nerd for three. Uh, yeah, a game, specifically forty uh, k playing the game. But like uh, he's got like a, a custom built gaming rig. Yeah, yeah. But I feel yeah. like a lot of celebrities have like fancy video game stuff. But this is like you're painting miniatures. You're playing a fucking war game with an he, army. He put like, together his Yeah, and so like, yeah. but he talks about it on every, and, and and it's obviously a question that they're they're giving the press junkie yeah. because it's something he, you know, he likes to talk about. a dancing but, bear. Right, but like, do you think 20 years ago, if there was a hot guy starring in a bunch of things, they would have wanted him to talk about D&D? Like they would have wanted him to talk like that. That would have been something that like glossy talk show hosts were like. So I hear you're into this thing called Dungeons and Dragons. Now I've heard, I, I've never heard of that. What is that? Like, I don't remember that in press junkets when I was a kid. Right. Maybe like, not D and D because that had such a stigma. Sure. The satanic panic. I, shit. Yeah. But I, I am certain other weird nerdy interests got brought up that way in interviews and stuff stuff that's nerdy in that they are so deeply invested in something that's not necessarily very popular okay but not what interests that we would traditionally think of as nerdy interests i guess what i mean like i remember seeing things like and this isn't a specific, I'm just kind of generalizing, but like, for example, like, oh, it's Farrah Fawcett. And they're like, but you like to cook, right? And it's like, oh, I do. And it's like, oh my gosh, but you're rich. Yeah. You know, like, and, and so it always felt more like, I hear you enjoy basic tasks that the regular people do, as opposed to it being like, <laughs> I hear you spent $10,000 on this weird niche hobby, but right? I, I know I've, heard of celebrities with weird collections of things mm, mm -hmm. and collecting is kind of considered a nerdy That's pursuit true. Where, yeah. where it could be like yeah i collect model trains and yes i spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on building the ultimate model train setup in okay, my basement yeah yep. where it's stuff like that where again it's it's certainly fucking nerdy but it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind yeah and yeah. i think that first stuff that comes to mind stuff probably wasn't what we would get showcased okay. in an interview. Yeah, that's that a good point. Way. That's a good point. I mean, Tom Hanks but, collects but, classic typewriters. Right. Uh, but it's I mean, brought up as a quirky nerdy. thing. Yeah. It's a it's a quirk. It's an interesting celebrity quirk. Yeah. It's not they're a fucking nerd. And like I would argue like it is nerdy that Jay Leno collects cars, but I would also say that oh, yes. Jay Leno's a fucking douche. Yeah. And like right. he's not a nerdy guy. Like and maybe I'm wrong. And th this also kind of leads to the question of, you know, is is so we've always talked about how like being a geek 
is really related to what you're into. And there's, there is that kind of, I, I don't subscribe to this, but that whole, like, everyone's a geek about something, yeah. right? Which is very similar to nobody's normal. We all have some mental illness, which no, you don't. But, you know, yeah. the, the like, everyone's a geek about something. Sure. Okay. I, I would agree with that. But I would think that the, what the word you're looking for is passionate. Yeah. Everyone's passionate about something, right? Everyone really loves, like, we know somebody who works in HVAC and that is, man, does he love to talk about HVAC. Yeah, like he will just, he loves it. But like, I don't think I would call him like a geek in the sense that I don't think I'd ever see him at a convention. Right. I don't think I'd ever see him playing a board game. I don't think that's really like his, he's not like, Oh man, I got to wake up at 6am to watch Boba Fett because yeah. I'm afraid it's going to get spoiled on Twitter. Right. Well, like think, it's, yeah. I think the phrase, everybody's a geek about something. And I've used that a lot. I think it's an in for people who are like, well, I don't understand. Why are you into that shit? And then and you go, well, wh what are you into? What what really? Sure. Is there something that really interests you? Oh, God. You know, I do you like football? Oh, yeah. I watch it and I play fantasy football and blah, blah, blah. Obsessed about football. And it's like I'm that way about Star Trek. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, yeah. As, a, as an equalizer or like yeah. a let's understand each other thing uh, for sure. But it's handy not. Metaphor. But, you know, when we talk about geek, we're talking about stuff that is more geeky in nature. Right. Uh, right. And I think that that it's more saying almost everybody finds something that they obsess over. Maybe not yes. everybody, but almost everybody it's human finds nature something to that, they, that they obsess over, that they're super into, that for whatever reason, it just it locks them in. Most of us have more than one of those things, right? I mean, almost any, anybody who's a Star Trek geek is probably a geek about something else as well. Um, it's not just one thing, but uh, the thing is that there are more people that are starting to get obsessed with the stuff that we've been obsessed with since we were mm, 10. Mm -hmm. um, and it's again, more normalized to talk about it and to notice it. If somebody's yeah, obsessed yeah. with Spider-Man, well, what are you going to say? That movie just made a billion fucking dollars or something like that. Well, what's, what's the big deal? Yeah. It, it kind of makes me think of one thing about like nerd and geek culture that it's kind of, an attitude that bothers me that I see less and less of, which is great, but I, I still see it sometimes. And it's this idea that like, you're not a real geek unless you've been made fun of for being a geek. Uh, like that, uh, like yeah. that whole, like, Oh, persecution gatekeeping. Yes. Where, yeah. uh, you know, you're not a real nerd. And, oh, you, you get to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Whatever. Everyone plays Dungeons and Dragons now. Like somehow it's less special because more people enjoy it. It's that kind of like a nerd hipster attitude, the, the exclusivity that I I really can't get into, and it bugs me when I see it in our nerd communities. Similarly, I see people uh, say shit about being picked on as a nerd that like they try to compare it to being an underserved or disenfranchised group of or like people. a minority. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I too have suffered microaggressions because one time someone told me my costume wasn't good. I, and it's I, like, that's not, man, that's, not, <laughs> it. that's not it. I literally heard someone in a, in a convention related thing say like when asked about how they're dealing with, uh, you know, racism or bigotry and nerd communities their answer was like nerds should empathize with traditionally disenfranchised people because nerds get picked on too 
And it's like, man, that's not the like, same that's thing. Like, very yeah. much not the same. Getting beat up for reading comics, and, yeah. you know, as and, and facing so, us facing systemic racism. Yeah, that's that's really right. different. And yeah, it, and it's hard because like you can't even talk about like even in this conversation, we have said things that are gatekeepy in a way where we've like qualified. Well, he likes this, but he doesn't go to conventions. Or like, oh, he, he does this, but he's not into this. And it's like, it, it's hard because it is. It is. Uh, I. I. I feel like it is this thing where like. We are a we are a clan. We are a group together. And as a result, like people you get tourists in any kind of, you know, group like that. Right. Yeah. And similarly to how if you are the white person at a black event and people are looking at you like, why are you here? Like if you are the dude in the polo shirt with the popped collar talking about crypto and football at Convergence, I'm kind of like, what are you doing here, bro? You know, like, why are you here? You know, and it's not about showing your credentials, but right. more like, why are we including you? And it's it that is a human thing that yeah. that like yeah. nature of of. Uh, we, can, recognition. we can only care about a hundred people, right? Like yeah. that's that whole thing about our brains. It's, yeah, it's it's the gatekeeping thing is tricky because. In defining what something is, you are also defining what it is not. Yeah. And so the second you start to define what makes someone a geek or what someone makes someone a nerd, all of a sudden you are also defining everything that isn't that as not a nerd or not mm -hmm. a geek. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of, a, that's, you know, by definition, exclusionary. Yeah. So I guess then a question would be, what's a geek or a nerd? I remember uh, Convergence 2005. I dressed uh, like it was the it was from a House of a Thousand Corpses. I did a costume that was like from from that. Basically, it was just the girl, the Baby final girl. Whatever, I was like, yeah. yeah. And so it was like you know, sexy cut off jean shorts and like a sexy top. And I had some blood and I had a knife and that was my thing. Like I, I that was I was, but it was from this horror movie. And I remember someone saying like, well, it's not exactly geeky though. <laughs> and it was just such a like, oh, I mean, I guess, huh, I, I didn't even occur to me it wasn't because for me, my horror love and fandom it was such a big part of me being a geek and and being ostracized, which I always associated with being a geek, mm -hmm. that being ostracized for that is part of it, that it didn't even occur to me that someone might not think of it as geeky because it was it was horror. It was very interesting. It, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of I mean, gatekeeping within the geek community is is all over the place. And I feel like it's gotten and again, this is perception, but I feel like it's gotten worse, worse as geek culture has gotten more popular as more people get into mm, it. Mm -hmm. Geeks are more like, well, you know, I spent a really long time with this just being my thing, this this being my 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 group of people that 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 I'm a part of. And now it's, it's kind of opening up in a way that I don't feel really good about mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. because I'm no longer special. This is no longer a special thing. Any, you know, some, some dude, bro, jock quarterback from high school can end up being super into doctor who and show up and dress as the 10th doctor. Mm -hmm. But 
And, he, and now he he's the watched, same as me. Yeah, he hasn't watched a single classic Doctor Who episode and isn't even mm-hmm. into the classic Doctor Who. Doesn't want to watch it. That's not okay. You can't call yourself a Doctor Who fan if you're not willing to go mm-hmm. back and watch the entirety of Tom Baker. So mm-hmm. I feel like that that's there, that that there is more gatekeeping. The the no, no, you know, what, no to, no good geek girl or... or um, yeah. yeah, no true Scots girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, no true geeksman. No true geeksman. <laughs> it's... It's it's tricky as soon as uh, so people's identities are very precious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the terms, the groups, the the uh, what is it Myers Briggs, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like people's identities are important to them and they're precious. And so when you start to challenge or change someone's identity or something that they use to identify themselves to others or they use to identify the people they associate with their culture Mm -hmm. their groups people are going to get really fucking defensive because you're fucking with something that someone else uses as a way to identify themselves and so like i i understand why people get defensive about that sort of thing and get gatekeepy mm-hmm. i disagree that that's the right way to to handle yeah. it and the, the right action to have but i i sympathize and understand you, i mean we're seeing that in you see that everywhere you see that in in politics you see it with religions feeling like they are they're very threatened because you know something about their religion is changing their identity or or people are making it so that their religion isn't the dominant religion anymore and and you know things are going to change and i don't like it because the status quo has served me well mm-hmm. oh yeah because I mean, you're changing, you, see you, know, it, you see it in the atheist community too you know there's there's yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you need to not believe in god in this particular way uh yeah it, it's all over the place yeah, I think ultimately, I think, I mean, there, I think the answer to the question is really, you know, are it, you know, is geek culture now becoming, you know, more of a majority? I don't think so. I think that for a lot of us, we have built uh, protective bubbles. Uh, and I know a lot of people use the word bubble as a pejorative, but I mean this in a good way. We have, we have, uh, we have left our often traumatic pasts behind, but not always. A lot of us have childhood trauma associated with our interests and being teased for them. And we have found people, uh, people talk about convergence like this a lot and other cons too. I hear about it with Dragon Con and another- I found my people. I found my people. And and we have to also remember, we live in a a fairly big city, metropolitan area. Uh, We don't live, none of us- do or have lived rurally, not really rurally. Uh, We haven't ever lived somewhere where there is literally nothing. And, and, you know, there is not even a store, right? Like there. And so we don't, we haven't had that kind of experience. So I do think for the majority of Americans that this geek thing is not in their worldview. It's not, you know, taking over for them. In a real quick thing, like is, is being a geek cool? I don't know, man, but I'll tell you what. Geekery is fucking profitable. There you go. Yeah. That's what it is. It's profitable. Is, is, is geek stuff popular? I don't know, man, but it's making a lot of fucking money. Yeah. And that's and that's why you see so much of it. Yeah. I, I guess I would say that I don't know if it's cool, but I think it's a lot less uncool. And even in those rural yeah. areas that you're talking about, Molly, think about the big difference there is with the fact that, I mean, in a farmhouse in the middle of Iowa, you can still get Disney+. Plus. 
Yeah. So and 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 really, you know, the 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 the, the social media has gone a long way, I think, to making uh, those who have geeky interests less isolated. Uh, I would also argue that the pandemic has made board gaming take off in a way that it didn't true. before, which really has brought a lot of what we would call normies into the, that fold. Uh, and, you know, if you want to talk about gateway drugs, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you, you play Catan and the next thing you know, you're, you're, uh, you're turning your family over for a, a good game of Carcassonne or Gagricola. Right? Yep, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to move on to five questions. Now, last week we pointed out we have created five new questions for you to answer because we've kind of run the course with people sending us their five questions. Now, if you really want to send us five questions still, you can do that. But the fact is... You haven't been doing that much lately. So how about some new questions for you to answer? I'd rather you answer our questions, honestly, yeah. because we don't really, at this point, let's not, let's not break. Cause when we were doing the questions thing, people would send in their answers and it always felt a little weird. So I think, I think send us your answers, right? Send like, us your answers. We've got five new questions. I'm going to read those. We're going to read those off at the end. First though, we have our final set. Of five ba, ba, questions ba, ba, from a listener. And I realize this is five questions. This isn't really a final five questions. People will send questions, but that's not the point. This is I may not read them. This oh, oh well, maybe Molly won't read them because you know right. rules. Molly is big Where in the you? rules. So, Where were you? <laughs> uh here's our final five questions. Who are they from, Molly? <laughs> They're from adulterated evil. Right. Right, adulterated because- evil. Adulterated Evil kept us going all this time. You know what? If Adulterated Evil wants to send in five more questions, they can. Yeah, That's they, the only one. Adulterated, <laughs> adulterated Evil is our pandemic drug. So what do we got for questions? All right. Hello, my geeky friends. I thought this time I'd get a little more serious with the questions. They get lighter as we go and we'll end on an up note. Okay. Question one has a good amount of lead in before I get to the questions. Just, okay. Just, just. Strap in. Here we go. Question one. I love my father because he's my dad, but he has certainly not always been the best role model of husband and father. He and my mom were together since they met at camp at age 16 up until her death. In his mid-30s, he was seeing other women, going out dancing and bar hopping. He was open with my mom about his activities. She put up with it for a while, but eventually they separated for a year or so, then decided to get back together, and as far as I know, they were faithful to each other from that point on. Years later, he would bring up his infidelity in conversation and say that he saw other men he knew also out with women other than their wives. They would jokingly ask him if his wife knew where he was. He responded, yeah, she does. Does yours? He has a weird pride that he never lied to mama about what he was up to. Whenever my wife and I discuss this, she thinks the men who lied and at least tried to hide what they were doing from their wives were behaving better than my father. Mm. She's Christian, so that may have a bit to do with it. My first question is, ignoring that being unfaithful is undesirable. Which is better behavior, cheating on your spouse openly and telling them or doing it behind their back? It's a heavy question. The the right answer is the better one is whichever hurts your spouse less. The the example we're given almost sounds like a type of not ideal uh, open relationship to some degree, which would be, you know, consensual and preferable. Mm -hmm. But then again, it doesn't sound like it was consensual. 
Well, right. But it, yeah. It, yeah. I would say that, you know, if you're, so here's the, there's, I think there's a, also a, a difference between, uh, are you cheating with lots of different people? Mm. Are you sleeping with the same person over and over and over? Or did you fuck up one time? You know, like if it's a, I've always felt like if it's a one-time thing and it's never going to happen again and you decide you're going to keep it from them, that is your guilt to bear. If you're back. If you, if you can, <laughs> if you can manage that, I would also argue if you cheat on your spouse, you should probably want to divorce them. If you are in a monogamous relationship and you cheat on them and you're like, if I ever tell her, she'll never forgive me. Then probably what you just did was you volunteered for a divorce, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, boy, I think it's I, so situational. It is really situational. The hardest thing here is I think the question is, is, it's not, it's disingenuous. And I don't think that the adulterated evil meant it that way, but it's like, they're both shitty. But right. And they a, do, they do say that. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that one is more shitty than the other. I think Nick's question of what is doing more harm to the spouse is a, is a good one. But, but if you're in a relationship, because what I think his dad was doing was abusive. Yeah. It was abusive. She didn't like it. He knew she didn't like it, but he just kept doing it. But at least, and he, and he justified it by being, at least I'm honest. And these other guys are lying. It's like, why does that, why does that somehow make it better? I don't think it does. I don't think it makes it better at all. Uh, But the dudes who are, who are lying are just dishonest assholes. Yeah, yeah. If you start a question with, okay, so obviously murder is bad. And let's just take that out of the equation. Is it better to murder someone you know or a total stranger? <laughs> it's like, fuck, man. Like, like you yeah. kind of lost me at we know murder is wrong. And let's just put that aside yeah. for a second. I, I would argue that uh, if your spouse asks you, are you cheating on me? And you lie, that that is worse than not telling them the truth if they don't ask. So I guess sure. that's a, a way to argue it. Like if let's say this is such a hilarious thing. Let's say Nick is out all the time and I'm like, man, where have you been? And he is like, I go, to, I'm just working late, but he's actually been fucking around. Now he's lying to me now. See, that's shitty. Like, but if I'm just like, I know he's at work. I don't even ask. That is on him. He's the one violating the trust, but he isn't lying technically, right? <laughs> I mean, I Boy. guess, so I guess I would argue the shittier thing in my mind is to get my face lied to. Oh. I would rather, because like at this point, it's like, it, 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 if I don't ask and you don't tell, then that's, you are the one violating my sweet, naive trust. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go the other way. In the example that he gave, I feel like what his father was doing was abusive. And Oh no, I agree. And I, I agree. That it it was it was I think hurtful and he tried to trick himself into thinking that he wasn't hurting oh, his wife. Absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, and that's that I'm not okay with that. So I guess I think that's worse. 
you know, just don't. How about this? If you want to fuck somebody who isn't your wife, uh, just like tell your wife that before you fuck somebody who isn't your wife. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just be like, hey, I think I want to fuck somebody else. We should talk about that. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe you before you get All married, right. have that conversation about what your relationship yeah, is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question two. In that same vein, is radical honesty just an excuse for assholes? At what point does reality matter more than hurt feelings? It's certainly. I feel like, like again. I feel like it's so. It's entirely situational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, like I feel like a lot of people use radical honesty as an excuse to be an asshole. Sure. In the yeah. sense that they're like, I'm just being honest. Just you can, being honest. You can use anything as an excuse to be an asshole. That's true. So, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, if you're an asshole, you could be an asshole who's an asshole by being radically honest or dishonest or, you know, greedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, the problem isn't radical honesty. Mm. The problem is you're an asshole. Mm. I think there's ways to be radically honest. Like, if you're radically honest and you're still a kind person who's nice you just don't like if a friend says, Hey, what do you think of this outfit? You could say, you know, I'm not sure that that skirt is the most flattering thing, but it's certainly a part of your style. Mm. You know, like you can say that you don't like someone. You don't have to lie to a friend. So you think reality does matter more than hurt feelings. That, I, I could hurt her feelings. I don't think it matters more. Okay. I just think that there's a way to be radically honest without being an asshole. All right. All right. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? I think it, it really is very situational. C- can radical honesty be used that way? Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't have to be. I, th- I think people can be honest and not be assholes. I, an example I guess I'll use is my kids were playing a, a D&D game with uh, with, a, with a friend of theirs this weekend. And mm-hmm. the friend was running a game for the first time. And uh, mm-hmm. From what my children tell me, it was horrifyingly awful. Uh, um, and it's like, they're. I'm like, well, you need to tell him, but you need to tell him in a way that's constructive and helpful, not in a way that just makes him feel like he's a complete shitty DM who's never going to be able to run a game well. It's like, no, say, when you ran the game, it was really frustrating and this is why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And make it about the game and not you. Right. You're not you're a bad DM, but when this happened, it was a negative play experience. That's the that's the lingo we use. Not your game is bad. I had a negative play experience. So why are you telling him? Are you telling him to make to make him feel bad for running a bad game? Or are you telling him because you really want to help him become better? And that's that's the difference. Your friend wants to run a good game. They want everyone to have fun. If you're not telling them why you're not having fun. Mm-hmm. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not getting what they want. Yeah. Yeah. You're not fair. getting what you want. All right. All right. Question three. Does your genealogy matter to you other than health factors? By which I mean, do you feel who your ancestors were and where they originated affects how you feel about yourself? If your grandfather was famous, do you feel pride in being genetically related to someone, even though you had nothing to do with their accomplishments? Hmm. I don't really give a shit about family tree stuff other than like, I guess like people I know, but it's never been. I remember my, my uh, dad's sister, like 
traced their family line back to like something insane, like some very famous historical figure. And I was like, I mean, sure. You know, like I just, and it was like, oh, did you know? Like, I mean, just it's just, it's like that Mayflower shit, right? People were like, my family came over on the Mayflower, and it's like, who gives a shit? I don't think like, my father, just, the inventor of the toaster, right? Was, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I, I never like. It's one thing if it's like, oh yeah, my mom is this, and we as a family like pulled together. To like make sure she got to go to night school so she could become a doctor, right? Or whatever. Or like, you know, I had to, I had to be without my mom a lot because she was a high-powered lawyer or whatever you wanna, you know, you wanna make it. But like the idea of it being like, oh, I just found out my my great 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 grandfather uh, invented this, and therefore I am the descendant of the guy who invented this. It just feels so weird to me. I- I, uh, it's neat, right? Like my, like my heritage, I think about it when I learn about it and stuff. I think it's neat. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's amazingly important to me, but there are some traditions and foods and things like that that we eat because it's a part of our, like Norwegian sure, or sure. Scottish heritage, right? Yeah. Like I know that there's a famous painter Canadian painter that is our Scottish family that came through Nova Scotia, right? That's mm-hmm. within the last 150 years or something. So, you know, recentish. But like, none of that's like really important to my identity. Mm-hmm. What about think, you, Tim? I think there's a level of pride in knowing th- certain things about your family. Um, not ownership for me, but, you know, some of the things I know about my grandfather. Uh, are are cool and i'm really kind of proud to be to be a part of the family that 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 did that but i mean does it matter in my day-to-day life not at all uh am i somewhat proud of my irish heritage not not so much as you know it feels like an important part of who I am and connects me back to where some of my family came from. And it makes me interested in the history of that region. Um, but again, it, it's not a, it's not a thing where I'm like, this matters to my identity. It's more, well, this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also it's going to be different for us because all three of us are some flavor of white European mutt. Yeah, mm-hmm. where none of us is like a first or second generation immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us is is a, a people that ha- had been you know strongly discriminated against when they came to America or anything like that, right? So like, it's it's not going to be as important to us because it hasn't affected us because that sort of white euro mutt is the dominant culture in america my chosen family cred has always mattered to me the most like my the fact that i was like on bbs's sure in the early 90s and like you know like that kind of thing like that has mattered to me more then and maybe it's because I am a Minnesota girl with Southern heritage that uh. it's just like you know I, you, you 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 scratch a white person deep enough and you're gonna find a slaver in one country or another and uh, that uh, can uh. be that's I don't know yeah. how I feel about white people getting soup 
we're proud of their, you know, their, their, their ancestors in that way. It can get a little rough, right? Like I, and, and and it definitely is something that is a white privilege thing for sure too, because like, you know, you know, most black people can't trace their ancestry back beyond a certain, you know, where they're just like in American black people. Yes. Or like, you know, a lot of any adoptee, doesn't have any information on that. And right, so I feel sure. like it's it's a very privileged status to be able to say, oh, I can look all the way back here and see that I am the descendant of great people. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's my insecurity that I'm kind of like, oh, well, I hope they're not looking down because they're going to be like, what the fuck is she doing all yeah. day? Like, what do you yeah. do? Yeah, <laughs> my, 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 that's a good point. My brother is adopted and I don't know how much being Korean matters to him beyond people treat him differently because he's Asian sometimes. And, you know, he gets othered Mm -hmm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is, is his ancestry important to him? I I don't think so, man. Like it never has seemed that way. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sure. It's a different question for him than it is for me. All right. Question four. If universal basic income was, functional in america what would you do with your life free from the worries of survival and working to survive so if you had if you could go on ubi and it took care of everything what would you do what would you do with your life if you didn't have to work to to uh pay the bills call back to last week road trip oh yeah just forever uh, i'd probably want to be a travel writer that'd be the greatest thing ever i'd love to write about people and places and and museums and 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 mountains uh that that'd be the greatest thing ever have you ever done any travel writing have you ever thought about doing that i I mean i've I've blogged i've traveled blogged i haven't done any travel writing like gotten paid for it no that'd be something to try that'd be something to try you travel enough that it would be kind of i mean it like fits in with what you do right like true yeah i what about you i think uh it would be great to to work the same job, but with less responsibility and fewer hours. Uh, right. You just want to do your job less. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like I, or you fucking wage slave. <laughs> or I mean, because it would be more money. I know you like your job. I know. You'd be because UBI covers all the basics and everything, yeah. but then, you know, you'd want to like increase your, your, quality of life for the things mm-hmm. you can afford and that sort mm-hmm. of things to get a job. But like, honestly, a job like working 20 hours or 30 hours a week, maybe only three days a week or something like that. Like that sounds fucking awesome. Cause then I'd have more room for not just leisure, but you know, uh, other self-improvement or mm-hmm. artistic endeavors, that sort of thing. Like that's what, that's what I would do more of, but, I don't think I'd be able to just not work entirely. Yeah. I'd want to do something for not just supplemental income, but also, I don't know, uh, call it that stupid Protestant work ethic, but I do get a sense of satisfaction from doing good work Mm -hmm. and completing tasks. And I think figuring out how to get that same sense of satisfaction without work would be tricky. As much as, you know, fuck work, anti-work, uh, wage reform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think I, I would really, if I was, if I, if everything, if like survival was covered 
And basically I'm just working for extras. I think I would really, I loved working in a bookstore. Mm. I, I yeah. really liked it. Uh, it. It would have to be a bookstore that, you know, obviously maybe it's something where it's like, I'm not having to, you know, I worked at Barnes and Noble and that's a little different, a little corporate, you know, but if it's like, you know, we could, it's just a place where like, oh, you're reading unless someone comes in and then you're helping them find books, you know, kind of a thing. And maybe that's a romanticized idea of what a bookstore, you know, job would be. But I, I also, I also really like being outside. So I, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, just like go around the neighborhood and just, you know, oh, yeah. mow people's lawns and shovel their walks and just, you know, do all those outdoor tasks that I really enjoy. Sure. You know, I'd love I to thought, be a park ranger. Being a being a mm-hmm. being a park ranger would be pretty cool. Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day, and I, I forgot my answer was get a job with like the city parks department mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know mow parks part-time yep. and, yep. and do uh, gardening and stuff outdoors because you get sun, you get exercise. You're not working your body yep. to, to death because Go you pick have... up trash. In yeah. The park. Yep. Yeah. That, yep. that kind of sounds great too. Yep. Though. yep. Okay. Question five. What would you wish for if you had one wish from an evil genie you knew was going to monkey's paw the hell out of it? Choose your words carefully. All right, you get one wish. The genie is evil. He's trying to fuck you over at every turn. So you have to word your wish. This is where I am a Viking. I, uh, I, one of my few superstitions is if I notice 1111, I touch red and make a wish. And I also make sure the wish is monkey's paw proof. I, uh, I, I do this a lot. So uh, the wish I almost always make, this is sappy as hell, but I'm just going to confess to it, is I wish for Nick and I to live the rest of our natural lives together, happy together. That is that is what I usually wish. And I specifically say it like that. I wish for us to live the rest of our natural lives together, happy together. <laughs> What's your monkey's I, paw wish? I got mine. Um, it would, okay. I would. I would look at the genie, and I yep. would say, "I wish you, just you, would cease to exist right now." Mm. Fuck that evil genie! Why? Right up. Oh, Love get that. rid of the evil <laughs> genie! Fuck that evil get genie. rid of the evil genie! Get rid of get the evil right genie! Get the fuck yep. out of there! Yep. Yeah. I. I. Uh, I think. So asking for something very objective mm-hmm. and defining the means by which you get it and then trying to protect yourself from any potential mm-hmm. uh, uh, problems. And I think you can't go wrong with just hard, cold, hard cash. So I think saying like, uh, I wish for Elon Musk to give me $10 million out of the kindness of his heart and that he will take care of any taxes or unforeseen financial consequences of gifting me that money mm-hmm. in a lump sum by direct bank transfer. That's good. That's good. So my eleven eleven wish isn't going to be my evil genie wish, obviously, because right, that's obviously. just that's just I'm just yeah. giving an example of the very specific wording. My evil genie wish is going to be uh, I wish. For Mitch McConnell and any other senator over the age of 80 to immediately retire. Ooh. I don't need him to die. That's fine. Whatever. I just want all senators over the age of 80 gone. <laughs> like, we're done. <laughs> we're gone. You're, you're done. 
power board, whatever. Maybe it gets worse. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it gets worse. I don't know, but I just feel like we need a, we need a hard rain to wash away the filth from the streets. Nice. <laughs> I like that. All right. Well, but I don't want a, the wish for someone's death, right? That about, uh, more. Every politician that is a millionaire or more, <laughs> same, same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I wish for that genie's death because he's an asshole and he can fuck. Well, the genie him. doesn't count as people. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying about my wish. It's so, a, it's all right. That's, spa. thank that you. Five? That was five. Thank you, Adulterated Evil, for your five questions. I'm going to remind everybody we are going back to having you answer five questions. I'm going to read them off for you now, and you can find them on our website as well. Question number one, what is a game you have played recently that you really enjoyed? Question number two, what is a science fact or discovery you think is really fucking cool? Question number three, where do you get your sex sense of right and wrong from since it's not religion? <laughs> yeah, Freudian slip. Uh, question number four, if you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for you the rest of your life, which would you choose? And number five, what is a movie or TV show that you think everyone should watch? Can be current, can be from a long time ago, something you just think is great and everybody should watch it. So those are our new five questions. If you want to send those in, if you're a Patreon supporter, we'll bump you right to the top of the Patreon queue. If you're not a Patreon supporter, we will definitely get to you. But... You could become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 a month, and you get to bump to that top of that queue. $2 a month, you can listen to these episodes early. You would have known about these questions weeks ago, and you could have sent them in to us already. So uh, supporting us on Patreon is definitely something that you should thinking about, be thinking about doing. We have made it to over 500 episodes, and we are still going strong. So strong, we are going to be back next week. We'll catch you then. Bye. I'm just going to put out there that Star Wars still does not deserve Star Wars fans. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod. And you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. No one should be shamed about what they're jerking off to.